Your worry might be different from someone else's worry, but there are a lot of themes underneath of these things. We worry about our kids. If you're a parent, you worry about your kids. Did, did we mess them up? Come to the parenting conference. We'll tell you how we messed ours up. You can do it differently. Will our kids make good choices as they grow? Will they be around good people? Will they love Jesus? Will they, will they understand what life is about? We worry about what's coming. We worry about uh, the future and tomorrow and the next day and the next year and 10 years from now. But we also worry about the past and we worry about things coming back and having an effect on us today that happened to us in our past. We worry about relationships. If you're single, will I ever find the love of my life? If you're with someone, will, will the one that I love ever change? Will they ever step up into what I hope that they could be? Will these problems in our relationship ever go away? What if I'm missing out on the relationships that I should have? Is someone mad at me? Do I need to forgive someone? We worry about finances. How much money do I have? How much money do I need? How much money will I have next year? Do I have enough for retirement? Can I pay my bills? What happens if I lose my job? We worry. We worry about health. Is something coming? I don't feel right. Someone else that I love, maybe their health isn't okay. We worry about what tomorrow holds for us in our health. We worry about our country. We turn on the news and we see this horror show that is the politics of our country right now. And we worry, what does this all mean? And where is this all going? And what are our children and our grandchildren going to have to grow up in? We worry about physical things like our home. You know, today there's going to be really strong winds. And sometimes I'm like, is my house going to blow over? We worry about, you know, is there something happening behind the walls? Or do I have radon in my basement? You watch too many newscasts and start worrying about things that you didn't even know you should be worried about. We worry about dangers that we've never experienced, but we think somehow might be waiting in the dark shadows for us somewhere. Dangers we only imagine and have no real reason to think are coming our way. But just for good measure, we worry about them too. So your worry might not be like everybody else's, but no matter what you worry about, all worry has one thing in common, and it's one of the things that Jesus says to us in Matthew 6. All worry has one thing in common. It changes nothing but you. Worry changes nothing about what you're worried about, but what it does change is you. As a matter of fact, worry is a trap. Worry is a, is a scheme, a way that an enemy to your soul would try to suck the life out of your soul. It grows out of a focus on things of this life that you can't control. Worry focuses on things in this world Things of this earth that you can't control but wish you could. And almost always, worry you worry about something that you won't have in a hundred years. You won't even have it in a hundred years. It is occupying your time and your day and your energy. And maybe there's a certain amount of your mind that has to go towards some of these things, but We worry about it. We put this weight on our shoulders and we won't even have it in a hundred years, let alone a thousand or a million or a billion. 
And so if we all recognize that, why is it so normal for people to worry? There are some things in this life that we have a say over. Almost all of the things that we have a say over are choices that we can make. But the problem is that we want control over choices we can't make. We believe that choices other people make will have a big impact on the choices that I have in front of me, and therefore I'd like to control those choices as well, but nobody will let me. And so worry is the way that I deal with that tension. I wish I could control it, but I can't. So worry is I feel like I'm doing something even though I already know I can't do anything. It's why worry is a spiral down because you can't do anything but worry tricks you into thinking you're doing something even though you're not doing anything it keeps you on a treadmill running faster and harder but never getting anywhere it feels sometimes like caring well i i worry because i care I worry because I'm smart because I I recognize how life goes and I I know I'm smart enough to look down the road and see what's coming. But if you've experienced it, if you've woken up from the cloud of worry at any moment, or if you've just taken an honest look at your life and you've been worrying, what you recognize is this. It's not wise. It's not really caring. What it is is destructive, straining, and a pathway to darkness. Some of you are like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just a worrier. That's just who I am. Jesus has words for us today as his followers. And, and some of us think, well, I'm not a worrier. I just take each day. Listen, all of us worry. Your theme might be different than someone else's, but all of us are to be looking at what Jesus says here and letting it apply to us. So Jesus says, don't worry. And I read that. Jesus says, don't worry. We're going to read it in, as we start at verse 24. Jesus says, don't worry. Whew. Aren't you glad Jesus told us don't worry? Now that we know we're not supposed to worry, isn't that good that he told us not to worry? Because once he told us not to worry, I can just stop, right? All I needed to know was that I shouldn't, and then I'm done with it. Sometimes we act like that. We, I've had people come to me like, is worrying a sin or is worrying not a sin? I mean, Jesus said, don't worry, so I'm not, Listen, it's not about that. It's not about knowing the rules. The whole Sermon on the Mount has not been about knowing the rules. It has been about a king who is so good, who wants to pour out into citizens of his kingdom a different life altogether. That's what it is. And so when he says, don't worry, he's inviting you to a life that's different from a life that you might pick pick up by mistake. A life you might think you have to live. This is not about pouring out shame. For some of you, the title, Do Not Worry, comes up there, and you're like, man, I'm a worrier, and now I'm going to get beat up. This is not about beating up people who are worriers. This is about offering hope and life like our Savior does. To say, you are not a lost cause. God is greater. God is stronger. God is good. God is faithful. And He invites you to know it more than you ever have before. So don't start beating yourself up because he's not beating you up. The thrust of what Jesus is saying here is, I want to show you how to let go of worry. And what he's going to talk about is that letting go of worry is about what we think the substance of life is. 
what we think it means to be alive. It is about what we believe about our Heavenly Father. What do you believe He's like? And it's about embracing the reality of being human. So start with me at verse 25 down to verse 31. Here's what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Powerful words from Jesus. I don't know. Some of you might just, you may need to tune me out and just write that chunk of verses down and read it every day. Because there's such power from Jesus's words for you in freedom. He says, therefore, do not worry. I tell you, do not worry about your life. How do I do that? Well, he starts with the word therefore. When you see in the word of God, the word therefore, what Jesus is doing is connecting it. And and Paul a lot of times does the same thing. He's connecting it to what he just said. And, And what we just saw Jesus say is, don't store up treasure for yourself on earth because all of that's going to vanish. Store treasure up in heaven. Don't serve this earth. Don't serve money. Don't get your attention and your passion and your focus fixed on this earth. Instead, turn your attention and your focus and your passion towards the things of heaven. He says, remember the invitation. Therefore, who will be your master? Respond to that. And that is where we begin this discussion about do not worry. The verb for do not worry really is do not ever worry. Stop and don't ever do it again. Jesus says to us, you have no more need for this. This is a lie. This is a trap. This is destructive. You need to see it as that. Instead of doing the enemy's work for him and saying, well, worry is just what I do. Well, worry is just because I care. You keep doing the enemy's work for him, you're going to stay stuck in his trap. Jesus says, you, don't, you stop and don't ever, you don't need worry anymore. Now he says, do not worry. He doesn't say, do not work. Do not act. He doesn't say, well, if you're not going to worry, some people think this, that like type A, high-strung people. Well, if I'm not worrying, does that mean I just sit back in my easy chair and put my feet up and I just say, well, God's going to take care of it all? That doesn't seem right. Well, that isn't right. God has called all of you to do things with your life. He's called you to work. He's called you to purpose. He's called you to, to purposes within the body of Christ. He's called you to act and be active but he hasn't called you to worry about it. Some of the most difficult things for us to do 
are to be actively involved, putting our, our shoulder under the load, and yet do it while trusting God instead of our work. You know what I mean? Men, you know what I mean? You want to provide for your family. You want to take care of them. If you lost your job, what happens? Oh no. What's going to happen to my family? Sometimes God is good enough to bring that thought to our mind to ask us, but who are you trusting? Who are Like, if God gives you the opportunity to have a job, you should go work the job, but you should never take your trust off of your Heavenly Father and put it on your work. That's where worry comes from. That's where stress comes from. We need to be faithful, but we need to see even our opportunity to get up and go make money today as a provision from God. The word worry that we get in our English language today comes from an old German word, and and you're going to love this. The word that it comes from in old German is the word for to strangle or choke. Is that not what worry feels like? To strangle or choke. And so Jesus said, stop choking the life out of yourself over things like what will you eat or drink or what will you wear? What he says, and I'm going to try to just break this down into some of the the different ways Jesus presents this. What he says is, your life is not about earthly things. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, if you've been born again, if you've been recreated as a child of God, your life, your existence right now, not someday, right now, is not about this earth. You are not living for such small things the things that vanish, the things that disappear. You are here for more than food, for more than clothing, for more than money or comfort or your reputation. You are here for so much more than the things of this earth. Jesus doesn't present it like, well, you just got to pick one, whether you're going to, you know, give your life to eating or drinking or heavenly. He's kind of like this. There is something that is so much more that there's really no choice to be made. You are here for there. You are here for life that goes on forever. And Jesus says, don't choke the life out of the life that I've given you. Don't choke the purpose and the meaning out of what I've called you to. Do you feel how shallow your life becomes when you worry about the things of this life? Do you feel it? Do you recognize that your ache in your soul, your purpose from your creator calls you to more than such a shallow life. And Jesus' point is this. You think of your life kind of in this stepladder kind of way. Well, I can't get to those higher things until I take care of these lower things, until I step up these slower rungs and and, and those lower rungs I'm still working on. I can't get to the heavenly eternal stuff until I take care of this. And Jesus says, that is a lie and a trap. You will never get over these lower rungs. There will always be storms and problems down here. And the enemy, if it's an effective technique, will always pull your attention onto those lower rungs and keep you stuck there. And Jesus says to your soul, you were made for more than this, weren't you? You were made for more than the rat race, more for the bill paying, more than just for whether you have a good enough car and whether people think your clothes are nice. You were made for more than that. So live like you were made for more than that. 
Thinking that that way keeps us stuck in this less while we were made for more. And I'm telling you, the enemy would love to keep you worn out and occupied with strangling your life in worry over stuff that doesn't really matter. And so Jesus says, your body is more than clothes and your life is more than food. Man, let that sink in. If you're a worrier, let that sink in. Your life is about more than the things you're worried about. But worry will strangle all the rest of it out and leave you with just this worn out, stressed out soul. Then Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. He starts to tell us why we shouldn't worry. He's like, the birds of the air eat every day. Why? Because God provides for them. And Jesus uses that to say, we all know this. We all take this for granted. I know some of you have bird feeders in your backyard or whatever. But do you really think that those birds are like, I hope Susie puts bird feed in the bird feeder or else I'm not going to be able to feed my family. I mean, they like you making it easy for them, but they're not worried about whether they're going to eat or not. You know why? I'm not worried about whether they're going to eat or not because God provides for them abundantly. God pro- And it's not that this is a, a rule of, of absolute where every bird and every animal and the whole animal kingdom is always, there are animals that you know suffer loss and animals that go extinct and stuff like that. But it's this general overwhelming norm that the father provides food for the animals. It's so simplistic and yet so powerfully undeniable. And so Jesus is saying to us, if we know that about something as small as a bird, that God provides food for them, do you not recognize, do you not know, child of God, who was bought with the blood of Jesus, that God cares for you more than he cares for the birds? Don't you know that? We should. But don't you recognize that he didn't die for the birds? He died for you. How much more, if he feeds the birds, will he feed you? And the idea is he will take care of the issues of your life. You don't need to stress out about them. The animals don't worry. They don't work hard and store up for the long term and they're not planning their retirement and wondering about cancer and all. They don't do that. Even animals that store up, they just store up because it's time to store up for the next season. Not because they're trying to pile up the masses of riches that we try to worry about piling up. The birds take the Father's care for granted, and Jesus, by pointing at them, invites us to do the same. Take the Father's care for granted. I'm telling you, knowing the goodness of the Father should drive our faith. It's a lot of the reason that on Sunday morning what we sing has a lot to do with the goodness of God. Because if you know the goodness of God, if you've seen the goodness of God, it should drive your faith. You should be able to trust him because you've seen time and time again that he is good. And so if you can't see God's provision in your own life, look down at the small animals that he takes care of every single day and remember you're more valuable than them. That's what Jesus says. Don't worry about food. It's interesting. The audience that Jesus is talking to that sits on this hillside in Galilee, when Jesus talks about food, don't worry about food. They had a different experience with food than you and I have. 
they had a much, much higher chance of facing famine or starvation than any of us. A simple uh, drought or, or blight or plague of, of some kind of insect or, or something like that could wipe out entire communities of people. Could put the, the survival of, of little ones and older people at risk at any time. They lived on the razor's edge a lot of times. And yet, today, with all the food that we have and all the provision that we have, do we worry less or more? We think. Look at the statistics of mental health today, and you tell me if with all that we have, we worry less or more. What does that tell you? It ta- I mean, the reality is, we keep chasing, well, I need a little bit more. I need to have enough. And those answers aren't answers. They're bait on the hook. The answer is not, well, how much should I have so I can stop worrying? The answer is, it doesn't matter how much you have. You've got life eternal. You serve the King of Kings. You're a child of God. None of, all of that should just be background noise to your life. But how often have we taken it and made it the point the stress, the feel, the center of everything that we experience in this life. The next reason that Jesus gives us for rejecting worry before he comes back to God's provision, he says in verse 27, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Uh, Let's get real honest here. You cannot change the things that you're worried about or you wouldn't be worried about them. You cannot change the things you're worried about or you wouldn't be worried about them. Worry is powerless. Jesus says, can you add even a single hour? And the the word is not specific hour. It's a unit. It's kind of like, so there's some differences of like, can you make yourself taller versus add length to your life? And it's just a single unit. Can you just add? So you could say, could you add a second to your life if you worried hard enough? You might take seconds away from your life. We are powerless. And when we worry, we become more and more powerless because it is faith that brings strength, not worry, not doubt, not fear. It is faith that connects me to the Heavenly Father, my source of strength, not all the rest of that. Even though the rest of that makes me feel like I'm trying to wrestle for control, it is a phantom wrestling match. You're not wrestling anybody but you. And I guarantee you, because it's just you, you're going to lose. Jesus says, we cannot do anything worthwhile by worrying. And so if I believe that faith brings my strength, I need to choose faith over worry. And Jesus comes back then to these simple terms, clothing. First it was food, and he says, look at the flowers. If the flowers are evidences of God's abundance of care, and even, he goes further, the extravagance of his goodness. Look at the flowers and look how beautifully they are made. Look how extravagant God is with these temporary, small, worthless things, the flowers of the field. And he says, then compare it to you. You are not temporary. You are not made for a moment. The grass and the vegetation and the flowers made for the oven, for burning. It's here today and gone tomorrow. 
Jesus says, if he takes that much care of the flowers of the field, how much more? And that's a great question. How much more do you think you're worth than the flowers of the field to your heavenly father? You might need to do some work there. Because you're like, well, he doesn't, you know, he's not upset with the flowers of the field because they've never made mistakes and they've never failed him. Man, you are so wrong about your father and you need to get that straight in your soul. He cares so much more. Jesus is saying so much more for you than those things. And yet he pours extravagantly out on them. How can you doubt that he will do the same for you? Jesus sums it up by that phrase, oh, you of little faith. It is the absence of our faith that drives our worry. It causes us to act emotionally, mentally, spiritually, like God is less than good, like God is less than aware, like God is less than faithful. And you and I need to turn from that because there's no life down that path. There's no truth down that path. That is a lie that brings death. And so we need to stop acting like God is less than good or aware or faithful. It's not that we don't believe. Somewhere inside of us, we believe that God is good and faithful and God cares about our lives. But when we live outside of that belief, when we live believing that God is less than those things, we live dying. We live choking the life out of our life. So we need to make a choice. We need to choose faith. We need to turn away from worry. Jesus says, verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Do not worry. It does no good. You don't change anything. God is a provider. Remember that. God provides. And you matter to Him more than people you already know He provides for. And worrying devalues the life you've been given. It it makes it shallow. It makes it less than. Worrying is about believing that your life is less. And Jesus says, your life is about greater things than what you've settled for in worry. Then he goes on, verse 32 and 33. He says this, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. On the back of all that Jesus just said there, he says, listen, let me just make one more startling comparison for you. Maybe it can shake you out of living this way under the cloud of worry all the time. He says basically this, don't live like you don't know God. The pagans worry about these things. The people who are godless worry like this. The idol worshipers. He says, instead, live like you know your creator. The pagans run after these things. Those who worship false gods run after things of this world, stuff like food and clothing. You know why? Because they think the gods don't care. The gods that they worship, the gods that they had imagined, the gods that they had told stories about were self-centered. They didn't care about the needs of mankind. And he says, so they have a reason to be worried because they don't think the ones who have power are going to help them. But you know your heavenly father. So live like you know him. More than that, the idol worshipers, the pagans, the godless, they think that the very best the gods can do for them is to provide their needs. 
needs. That's, that's the hope. That's the pinnacle. Oh, I hope that I have enough food and that I have clothing, that I have my basic needs met. Oh, God's help me meet my basic needs. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't serve a meager God who's just going to make sure that you survive. You serve the king of the universe who owns this whole thing and you are his child. He says, you don't live like the pagans who are just hoping that the gods will just care enough to give you a little bit. God has already poured out his riches on you through his son. Live like it. Live like it. Instead of living like we've got to keep chasing and, and, and hope that hopefully God sees and hopefully God answers, we should live like our king is occupied with lavishing grace on us, with pouring out eternal hope and eternal purpose into our lives. Is he? We sang this morning, we are the sons and daughters of God. Has God lavished his grace on you? Do you think he was like, well, that's it, I'm done now. Or is God still watching over your life, leading and directing it? And even when life gets hard, isn't it the goodness of God to say to you, you are too connected to the things of this world. You are choking your life out. Now let me take them away so you can let go of them so you can live. Isn't that the goodness of God? God, why are you punishing me? Why are you mad at me? And God's like, don't you remember me? I'm not punishing you. I'm not mad at you. I want to make you alive. I want you to be free. Yeah, I'll be free as soon as you give me back the stuff that I was. God loves us too much to leave us there. Don't you know that your heavenly father is good? What is the best thing you can do with your life? What is the best life you could possibly live? Your answer to that question plays a large part in your life of worry. If your answer is anything but the kingdom and my king, then you're going to worry about the stuff that you think is the best life. Jesus says you are made for more than this. In fact, he says, instead of just don't worry, he says you should be actively pursuing something else. You should be putting your mind somewhere else. In order for you to not worry, you should be seeing this life, your life in this world through a different lens. And it's verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Make that your priority. Put your energy into pursuing that. Take the normal attention for the matters of life that are eating you alive and instead put your passion and your energy and your attention into what is God doing here for His kingdom? His kingdom, His righteousness. In His kingdom, He's the one in charge. In His kingdom, eternal things matter. So much so that the meek and the hungry and the poor in spirit and the persecuted are blessed. If I'm looking at people who are poor and meek and persecuted and say, oh, it's such a shame, then I'm not looking like my king, am I? Because my king says they are blessed. So I have to lift my eyes up. The king says those who are self-righteous, those who are assured of themselves, those who think that they've got it all together, they're in a dangerous position. Seek his kingdom. Seek to live under His rule. Seek to want His rule in my life, to pursue it. If you're a worrier, why don't you turn your life over to God? Your worry is a reminder that you need to give yourself to your King, to put your trust in your King again. And then he says, not just His kingdom, but His righteousness. 
It could be talking about seeking his righteousness, meaning the salvation. When, when, when we get saved, we are given righteousness. But in context, he's probably talking about seeking to do what is right in the eyes of my king. The good that he's been calling us to. He just said, don't lay up treasure on earth, but lay up treasure in heaven. Before that, he said, don't do spiritual things to be seen. Do them because you love God. Before that, he said, don't pray like God should follow your advice. Pray like you should follow God's advice. Seek his righteousness. Before that, he said, be honest. He said, love your enemies. He said, pray for those who hurt you. Before This is his righteousness. If I want to not worry, I've got to get the mindset of my king, the birthright as a child of God, and I've got to let it live in me. I've got to spend my energy on these things, not on worry. So Jesus finishes it up. Verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If God is the provider of your strength, you have no reason to worry about tomorrow. And here's what Jesus says. Worrying about tomorrow is acting like it's all up to you. What Jesus says is, if God is the one providing your strength, recognize that he's provided enough strength for today, not tomorrow. He's given you strength for today. Earlier in this chapter, it was give us this day our daily bread. I am dependent upon my king to give me what I need this day. As children of the king, we want to set our energy and our attention on what he's asked us to work on today. What has God given me to do today, to put my attention on today? I want to be faithful in serving him today. I don't need to look at tomorrow and try to figure out tomorrow. If he hasn't given it to you yet, then he hasn't given you the strength for it yet. Do you understand? God hasn't given you the strength for tomorrow yet. He'll give it to you because he's good when tomorrow comes. So worrying a lot of times is trying to get ahead because we're worried that God won't give us the strength when we get there, even though he's already shown us that he will. So we face an attack from an enemy who would love us to spend the strength that I have for today's stuff on tomorrow's worries and not get any of it done and live burnt out. When you think about how I put my focus, think about this. Worry takes the good times that come in my life and turns them dark. Doesn't it? Because when a good... When I don't have anything to worry about, I find something to worry about. So I'm having a great day and everything's going my way and I'm like, well, something's coming. I cannot enjoy the gifts from God because I am so fixated, I am so worshipful of worry that I take even the good days and the good moments and I turn them dark with worry. Whose plan do you think that is? But faith takes the hard moments of life the dark moments of life and brings light and brings hope and brings peace into them. Because I might be in this now, but I know better days are coming. I might be going through this, but I know God has a purpose in it. I know it's going to be good. I know God has me. And I know that all of this is temporary, but I know what's eternal. It takes darkness and turns it to light instead of taking light and turning it to darkness. Children of God, this is what God has called us to. We need to stop whispering the enemy's phrases in our ears. Well, that's, that sounds nice, but I can't do that. Baloney. 
God wants to do this in us. And what it takes is what it always takes, faith. We are invited to cast our care on Him because He cares for us. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're going to close with a prayer like this. So I'm going to ask you just, we're not even going to stand up. I'm just going to ask you to stay right where you are. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head. And pray. if you don't worry at all, God bless you. Pray for somebody you know who worries, okay? But if you worry, follow Jesus' thinking with me as we pray. And you say, Lord, I thank you for this reminder that worry does no good. That all it does is enslave me and entrap me. It's a lie. Help me remember that my Father provides. That my Father cares about my needs even more than the birds and the flowers. Remind me when I get stuck in worry that I was created to live for more than what is worrying me. That it is not the big picture. That the kingdom of God and His righteousness is the big picture. And so, Father, I'll trust you with tomorrow. I'll trust you with the unknown. I'll trust you with whatever's coming. And I will seek your kingdom today. So be my king. Rule in me. And let me follow you by faith. Father, I bring your people before you. And I ask your spirit to do this work in us. You have made us free. Let us live free. You have called us as your sons and daughters. Father, let us not waste the energy you have given us to build your kingdom on things that would just sap it away for nothing like worry. Let us be your children in the way that we trust you. Let us be your children in the way that we serve you, in the way that we live, in the way that we believe. Father, I pray you would do this work by the power of your spirit. For it's in the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen.